Hello, this is Search for Truth with John Martin and Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher at Search for Truth. Tomorrow's headlines is our theme, and today's title is Awe and Peace. The majority of people, if asked, I suppose would say they prefer peace rather than war. The rallies and demonstrations in the middle of February this year in London were strong evidence of that. But peace is not merely the absence of war, is it? God's peace is truly out of this world. Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. I do not give you as the world gives. As Brian traces progress and prophecies concerning Israel, let's remember that it all points forward to the King who is coming to reign one day, Jesus Christ himself. Then real peace will be a reality. Let's enjoy a hymn together about peace from our singers. Peace, perfect peace in this dark world. If the survival of Israel's identity right down to the present day is remarkable, then it's all the more remarkable that her astonishing story is set to continue. Through Bible prophecy, God spelled out his plans for Israel long ago. And they're not finished yet. Over a hundred years ago, there was little obvious sign of these biblical predictions ever materialising. But what a difference the past hundred years has made. We need only remind ourselves how, After centuries of dispersion and homelessness, a Zionist society was founded in the 19th century in order to promote the idea of Jews resettling in the land of Palestine. Such a resettling or regathering was something different Bible prophets, like Isaiah and Ezekiel, had predicted time and time again in their writings. In 1897, Theodore Herzl organised the first Zionist Congress. He claimed even then to have effectively established the Jewish state. Then a man by the name of Eliezer ben Yehuda brought about a revival of the old Hebrew language. Following that, in November 1917, came the Balfour Declaration, which pledged support for the Jewish people in finding a national home once again in Palestine. As the years passed, the terrible events of the Holocaust evoked sympathy for the Jews and Palestine became an issue of world concern. This all led to the 1947 United Nations Resolution, which split Palestine into a Jewish and an Arab state. The following year, David Ben-Gurion proclaimed Israel's independence. Israel was back, back in their land, back speaking their historical language, and back reading their ancient scriptures courtesy of the famous find of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. This recognition of the state of Israel in 1948 was surely a crucial step 
in a realization of the biblical prediction that there would once more be a re-emergent, re-gathered Israel, available as a major player at the time of the end, as the Bible styles it. The years since 1948 have certainly been difficult for Israel and for their neighbours. They were never expected to be easy. Days before Israel's formal recognition, a veiled figure, dressed as an Arab, entered the residence of King Abdullah of Jordan. Golda Meir, who would shortly become Israel's Prime Minister, was that secretive visitor, coming in what would prove to be a failed attempt to find a way for Jews and Arabs to get along. The story of Jew and Arab since then has been a story of war and peace. And it has to be said that atrocities have been committed on both sides. In 1967, war broke out, the Six-Day War. The outcome of that war, which seemed most important to many, was that it left a Temple Mount under Israeli control. Six more years of uneasy peace erupted again in the Yom Kippur War of 1973. Following that, Henry Kissinger began his shuttle diplomacy. The result was a ceasefire between Israel and Egypt, but still not lasting peace in the Middle East. Then Egypt's president, Anwar Sadat, made a historic trip to Jerusalem in November 1977 for face-to-face talks with Menachem Begin. This bold move led to the Camp David peace accord brokered by US President Jimmy Carter. Egypt might have become the first Arab nation to formally acknowledge Israel's right to exist as a nation, but it cost Sadat his life, mown down by an assassin. After further war, in 1982, when Israel invaded Lebanon, it seemed that the restraint of Israel during the Gulf War of 1991, together with the goodwill engendered then between the United States and many Arab countries, might at last be set to deliver on the peace process. A peace deal based on mutual recognition of the State of Israel and the PLO was negotiated in Oslo, and Bill Clinton presided over a historic handshake between Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat and Israel's Rabin in 1993. Then Rabin too was assassinated, and later the process seemed to grind to a halt in the year 2000. As it stands now, the process depends on joint Israeli-Palestinian negotiation to establish the boundaries of a Palestinian state. They need to agree on the future of Jerusalem, on the right of Palestinian refugees to return to Israel, and on the presence of Jewish settlements in the occupied territories. But overall, there can be no doubt that God's behind the return of Jews to their ancient land. Their terrible crime in crucifying the Messiah did indeed bring about an interruption in his dealings with them. But since then, through the trial and discipline of hard times, which will get far worse before they get better, Israel is being prepared once again to meet the same Messiah she rejected at his first advent. We've been looking back in order to look forward. In a sense, that's what the prophet Daniel was doing in his day. It was while he was in exile in Babylon, held captive there during the time when the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem and deported the Jews from their homeland. One day, as Daniel was reading the book of the prophet Jeremiah, he saw something that he hadn't understood before. 
God had actually decreed that their current captivity would last 70 years. And the 70 years were nearly up. That was what excited Daniel. At once he bowed his head in a wonderful prayer of confession, recorded in chapter 9 of his book. God answered his appeal for forgiveness on behalf of his people. Looking back, Daniel was made to realise that God had imposed 70 years exile, 70 years of enforced rest on the land of Israel, because for the past 490 years, his people had failed to observe the command of allowing the land to rest fallow every seventh year. But looking forward, God gave Daniel a vision of 490 years to come. In the same way as the 490 years that were passed had been built up from 70 groups of seven years, in each of which the land had not enjoyed its Sabbath, so the 490 years that now stretched ahead in God's programme for Israel was divided up in the same way as 70 groups of sevens. The 70 sevens are usually translated as 70 weeks in our Bibles, but the word really means seven, and the context shows it's seven years, or a week of years if you like. Here then is the vision God gave to Daniel. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Let's just interrupt there to say that this obviously hasn't happened yet as far as Israel is concerned. So the entire 490 years weren't consecutive from that time. The first question is, when did they begin? Verse 25 answers that. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So this decree to restore Jerusalem was the one which was given later in 444 BC by Artaxerxes in the 20th year of his reign. The record of his giving this decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem can be found in the Bible book of Nehemiah. And so we continue with the vision. Then the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. The Messiah being cut off refers to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. When the best historical dates are used for Artaxerxes' decree and for the death of Jesus, it can indeed be shown that there are precisely 69 weeks between them. But when the Jews crucified Jesus, the Messiah whom God had sent, it was as though Daniel's clock stopped ticking. In other words, the final seven years of the prophecy, the 70th week, hasn't happened yet. To see that, listen to the last little bit of Daniel's vision. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Even to the end there will be war, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. History tells us that it was the Roman people under Titus who destroyed the temple at Jerusalem in AD 70 which means that the prince who is to come, the prince who is still to come, must be a Roman prince, in other words, a European leader. Daniel wrote, Even to the end there will be war. 
So the Middle East was always predicted to stay troubled, towards the time of the end especially. Daniel's clock only seems to start ticking again when this European leader, who comes to dominate the world, signs a seven-year deal which will aim to guarantee the security of Israel's borders. So someone's coming who will succeed where Kissinger, Carter, Baker, Clinton and co. have all failed. But lasting peace will have to wait for none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's still to come as a deliverer to Zion. He and no one else can bring true peace to Jerusalem. Thanks, Brian, for reminding us that Jesus is not only Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, but also the Prince of Peace. If you'd like to contact Brian about anything you've heard today or in this current series, then write to Search for Truth, Box 246, Bolton, England. You can also send for a free booklet that's available, uh, ask for the title Tomorrow's Headlines, and send it to the same address. I'll tell you again, it's Search for Truth, Box 246, Bolton, England. If you're listening in Australia, you should write to Search for Truth, Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134. You can email, if you wish, to sft at churchesofgod.info. You can also visit our website at www.searchfortruth.net. So thanks once again for your interest. I hope you can join us at the same time next week. Until then, this is John Martin saying goodbye and God bless. Kingdom of Christ,